It has been three full years, a little more actually, since January 6th, 2021, the unarmed insurrection that was supposedly worse than 9-11. And the FBI is still on the case. In fact, tracking down people who exercised their constitutional rights and went to the Capitol that day seems to be the FBI's main task. Still, the FBI is still coming through video footage to track down Trump supporters who were there and throw them in jail. Message, never gather to exercise your constitutional right of assembly. Do not complain about the regime. And to make that point, the Biden administration has arrested over 1,200 people, and that number will grow by hundreds, apparently. The FBI wants you to know that if you were there, you can't hide because facial recognition software and all the advanced technology of the Biden surveillance state is being applied to catch anyone who offended them. But what's interesting, fascinating, actually, and very troubling is that the FBI can't find any information about the person or people who planted two pipe bombs outside the RNC and the DNC the night before. That's amazing. So here's the FBI's version of what happened with the bombs. The FBI releasing new video of the person suspected of planting those pipe bombs the night before the Capitol riot. And the FBI officially confirming those pipe bombs placed at the Democratic and Republican National Committee headquarters could kill. These pipe bombs were viable devices that could have been detonated, resulting in serious injury or death. The video offering specific detail on the suspect's movements. By 7.52, the suspect has made it to the DNC headquarters. The suspect sits on a bench and appears to fumble with that backpack. A bomb is later discovered in the bush adjacent to the bench. At 8.14, the same suspect walking down an alley next to the RNC headquarters. A bomb placed there as well before exiting the area, walking past the Capitol Hill Club. So you probably haven't heard a lot about that story since then. Nobody has. But a few months ago, there was a very significant development. Capitol Police quietly released new surveillance video from the moment, showing the moment that one of the bombs was discovered. And that video, if you watch it carefully and apply common sense to it, raises some very disturbing questions about what this was all about. No one in the media has picked up on this, of course. They're studiously not interested, which is very odd because all they talk about is January 6th, but not the pipe bombs. Let's not talk about those. Virtually the only person in media who's been interested in this and pulling the thread on this from day one has been Darren Beatty, who runs Revolver News. And he has updates on what he's found today. Darren, thanks so much for coming on. You've been on this story really since the day that it happened. For people who haven't followed this, and of course no one else in media is talking about it, so many people might not know the details, can you just give us a quick overview of the facts of these attempted bombings? Absolutely, and thanks for having me again and for drawing attention to this, I think, critically important story at a critically important time. If, if you would, I'd like to explain this latest video that you described that has been released quietly and, I will say, extremely reluctantly by the Capitol Police thanks to the efforts of Congressman Massey. I'd like to describe what's in that video because just as a self-contained analysis, it's explosive in its own right, and then proceed to contextualize that yes. in relation to our previous discoveries about the pipe bomb. So 
let's start with this video, and I hope people can can see it um, on this uh, interview and see it at revolver.news where it is. We've just published it. Um, and it's really remarkable. What it depicts is the discovery of the DNC bomb at approximately 1.05 p.m. on January 6th. And if you follow the timestamps closely, you can see this guy in a backpack come into frame at around 1.05. What he does is he first approaches a car, which is a Metro PD car, talks to the driver's side in the window for a while, then moves to the other side of the window, and then eventually moves and chats with somebody in a black SUV, which is a Secret Service car chatting with Secret Service. In fact, we've learned through multiple sources that the Metro PD was part of that Secret Service detail. Why was the Secret Service there? We'll get to that in due course. But the guy finishes talking to the SUV and then leaves the frame. What the individual in the backpack is doing is alerting the Metro PD and the Secret Service of the fact that there is a pipe bomb just feet away that was planted by the park bench outside of the DNC. Now, for those watching this video, and everyone has to watch this video to follow along, the first thing that will strike you as remarkable is just how utterly unconcerned both the Metro PD and the Secret Service are about being informed that there was a pipe bomb literally within feet of them and within feet of their protectee, who was VP-elect Kamala Harris. You'll notice if you watch from approximately 107 to 109 in the timestamp, utterly lackadaisical, utterly unconcerned, takes them minutes to even get out of their vehicles, at which point they're just kind of lingering around, uninterested, unconcerned. And then this alone is enough to be a national scandal and blow up in this investigation um, with, with severity. And that is the Secret Service, the Metro PD, you'll see this, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. They allow a group of children cross the street in the direction of the pipe bomb and allow the children to walk within feet of the park benches where the pipe bomb was planted. The Secret Service agent as well is walking right with the children within feet of this bomb. Then, about a minute later, a Capitol Police officer walks even closer to the bomb, takes a picture of it, gives a thumbs up sign, leaves, after which point the Metro PD car, the Secret Service car leave, and then the video is over. Now, I know from very reputable sources who have seen the extended video that minutes after that, they have a bomb safe robot come to dismantle and defuse this bomb. Now, people listening to this are probably asking themselves, first of all, why the unconcern from the Secret Service and the Metro PD? Unconcerned for themselves? Unconcerned for their protectee, Kamala Harris? Unconcerned for the children that they cavalierly allowed to walk within feet of this explosive device, and that concern juxtaposed and contrasted with the fact that they needed a bomb-safe robot 
to dis diffuse this pipe bomb, this alleged pipe bomb. So those are the facts that are illustrated incontrovertibly um, in this video and that I think as a self-contained analysis are sufficient to be a national scandal. But as I said, it gets far worse when we contextualize this information in light of the history of our reporting on the pipe bombs, which I'm happy to get into, but I'd like to pause in, in case you have any reaction to this. I, well, I'm, I'm stunned by it. It doesn't make any sense at all, um, just on, obviously. Um, my first question is, who is the man who alerted Metro PD, Washington, D.C., local cops, and Secret Service to the presence of the bomb? Indeed. And that is the definitive question. That is the question that I think will be the breakthrough that ultimately unravels what is perhaps one of the darkest and most scandalous government cover-ups in recent history. Who is this individual in, in the backpack? And what did he say to these cap to the, as you know, first of all, there's a matter of protocol. Even if they know the bomb is fake, there's still a protocol they have to follow, which is totally contravened by the way that they acted in the aftermath. But more, more importantly, how did they know that it was a fake bomb such that they could exhibit such a impossible lack of concern? And then why, if they knew that it was fake, would they go through the charade and spectacle of having a bomb safe robot dismantle it? Now, these questions, I think, intensify and get even darker and more damning when we consider the full context. Let's start with the DNC bomb. What's the history of this bomb? Well, according to the FBI and the surveillance footage that the FBI has presented to the public, which is, incidentally, surveillance footage from the DNC, and we can get to that in a little bit, but the surveillance footage and the FBI story indicate that the bombs weren't January 6th bombs in the sense that they weren't planted on January 6th. They were allegedly planted, according to the footage, the evening before, approximately 8 p.m. on January 5th. Now, so at the time that the backpack individual went up and alerted the authorities to the bomb, that bomb had been sitting out there fairly conspicuously at the foot of the bench for over 17 hours. Now, that was one of the first anomalies that we reported that it's kind of strange that this bomb would be sitting out there for 17 hours undiscovered for that period of time, undiscovered by motorists. If you'll notice by looking at the video, there's, it's such a high foot traffic area that there's a scooter parked there. January 6th was a particularly high foot traffic time during the day. There is a regularly stationed DNC security guard right at those parking garages that managed to miss the bomb. And then, of course, the most spectacular and bizarre thing is that the Secret Service of the United States, which conducted a sweep before Kamala Harris went in there, they managed to miss that bomb too. So it was sitting out there for 17 hours undiscovered. That in itself is kind of hard to imagine. And while we're at it, Let's address the Kamala issue. She had Secret Service protection because she was the VP elect. She came within a hair's width of this explosive device, which is, according to the narrative, the most insurrectiony type aspect of January 6th. The government officially considers pipe bombs to be weapons of mass destruction. 
So that leads us to the additionally bizarre question that compounds the suspicion and mystery. Why would Kamala Harris actively cover up the fact that she was in the DNC building at the time? You would consider that someone like that, her political interests, would be in milking that for all it's worth. Yes. Here is the first you know, woman of color, VP elect, who came within a hair's width of being killed by this live explosive device, and she doesn't mention it at all? Joe Biden considers January 6th to be important enough that he gave a big speech on the third anniversary. January 6th and the false understanding of the insurrection and Trump's involvement is the basis of the sham legal theory that the regime is trying to use to take Trump off the ballot and to remove him from the democratic process through extracurricular means. Kamala Harris is milking January 6th, but for whatever reason, even on the third anniversary, she's not interested in saying, well, by the way, I almost lost my own life. I, almost, I came within feet of the pipe bomb, which nearly killed me. Why did she cover that up? We must ask that question. That does not make any sense. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Are you feeling the impact of the recent changes in the timeshare industry? Now, more than ever, the costs of timeshare ownership far outweigh the benefits. My friends at Lone Star Transfer are the only company I trust to help you get out. Our listeners' positive feedback demonstrates why I have supported them for many years now. For over a decade, they successfully helped over 20,000 owners. Lone Star Transfer's exclusive options help timeshare owners like you get out faster and easier than any other option in the country. They are the only company that will give you a written guarantee and release you from your timeshare in a specific time frame. With an A-plus rating at the BBB and thousands of five-star reviews, customer service is their top priority. For a free consultation and a guaranteed solution, call 833-284-4739. That's 833-284-4739 or at LoneStarTransfer.com. The mystery of the pipe bomb just being out there for 17 hours undiscovered is so bizarre that it leads us to ask whether indeed the pipe bomb was actually planted when the surveillance footage seems to indicate and when the FBI says it was. And so a while back, we investigated the surveillance footage and we found something pretty remarkable, but I guess at this point, not surprising. We proved definitively that the FBI has in its possession a camera angle 
that would show definitively whether or not this pipe bomber actually planted the bomb when they said he would or she would. And for whatever reason, they've withheld that specific camera angle that we know that they have. They've withheld that critical footage from the public. Additionally, we've shown that this surveillance footage, which again comes to us via the DNC, has been artificially tampered with to the point of having a 1.6 frame per second frame rate, which simply does not exist. The worst commercially available camera that you can get has an eight frame per second. Your, your dilapidated gas station in the middle of nowhere on the road is going to have a camera with eight frames per second. And we're led to believe that the DNC, a very important building with very important people who work there in a high crime city, that they managed to find something like from an antique store with a frame rate <laughs> at 1.6 frame per second? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And in fact, even Stephen D'Antuono, who was the former head of the Washington field office of the FBI, incidentally, and you know, it just gets too good. It's an abundance of riches from the standpoint of the government's culpability here. Stephen D'Antuono cut his teeth in Michigan, where he oversaw the infamous and disgraced entrapment operation known as the kidnapping plot. He was handpicked by Christopher Wray to go to DC in the months leading up to January 6th, and he became the head of the pipe bomb investigation. Well, something remarkable happened in June of last year. He actually, in his retirement, he's now an accountant at KPMG, in his retirement, he agreed to testify before the Judiciary Committee. And basically, thanks again to Thomas Massey, who basically compiled questions based on the research we've done at Revolver.News and asked directly um, D'Antuono questions based on this research, D'Antuono effectively shrugged his shoulders with a very clear guilty conscience. He said he had no explanation for the poor quality of the DNC surveillance footage. And he was asked some other things. He was asked whether the FBI used geofencing technology to help identify this pipe bomber. The setup is perfect for a geofencing because it's just one person there, you know the location, you know the yes. time. Should be perfect. They've used the geofencing to identify multiple other January 6th participants. At which point he kind of got uncomfortable, his body language showed it, he answered, well look, we did in fact try to use geofencing, but the telecom company in question got back to us and said, for this specific time, at this specific location, our data is corrupted. Well, how convenient. And after saying that, he begged the Judiciary Committee, well, let's not get involved in any conspiracy theories, guys. And then for the Whopper, which is most relevant to this video we're discussing, he was asked about the people who discovered the pipe bombs, both the DNC and the RNC, and we'll get to the RNC one in a bit. And he said, yes, naturally, in the course of an investigation, the people who discovered the bombs would be suspects, at least initially. And yet, he couldn't say whether he knew the identity of this backpack person. He actually said he didn't know. And he said he didn't even know if the person with the backpack was even interviewed. Amazing. The head of the investigation couldn't even say whether the person who mysteriously discovered this pipe bomb was even interviewed and claims to not even know who this person was. 
But okay, can I just so ask again, you? Again, I've got even more, but I want to pause for a reaction. Well, I'm just there's so many questions, but I don't want to interrupt your narrative. But here's just one. So a huge part of the surveillance state, the Biden surveillance state, is facial recognition, and that's why airports across the country are now demanding that you submit, you know, your your biometrics when you go through TSA. They're collecting a massive database. Lots of people who were at January 6th exercising their constitutional rights have been arrested on the basis of facial recognition. Why isn't that being employed here? Well, that's a great question. And the best answer I can give is actually due to the inexplicably poor quality of the surveillance video. Again, at a 1.6 frame per second, you can't get a clear shot of the face. That's why it's simply impractical. And as I pointed out, the worst commercially available security cameras have eight frames per second, precisely for that reason, is that that's the lowest that you can have and get some reasonable assurance that you're gonna have a clear shot of the face. That doesn't exist in the surveillance footage that's been made available to the public. And I find it curious, like just this Capitol Police video that Massey got released, that has profoundly better picture quality. One wonders why is the FBI, for the purposes of its public relations, relied almost exclusively on surveillance footage that comes from the DNC that has such poor quality you couldn't even use facial recognition on it because the face is just a nothing. So that so that's why the geofencing would actually be a better approach. And they said they did it and the data was corrupted. So it's very clear that there is zero interest really in getting to the bottom of who this is. And I guess on its surface level, it's strange that the DNC is uninterested. You would think that of all institutions, the DNC would be interested in covering the identity of the person, allegedly this MAGA terrorist, who planted an explosive device right outside of their national headquarters. And yet they seem to be the least interested all the way up to the fact that Kamala Harris the vice president has, for some reason, foregone the opportunity of milking politically the fact that she was at the DNC while the pipe bomb was there. And in fact, as I, as I recall, she didn't admit that she was at the DNC for months. We didn't know that she was there. Right. For almost that, a year. The, for almost, yeah, a year. almost a year. So um, to, yeah. before I ask you, and I'm going to, what your theory of the case is, what do you think all of this points to? Tell us what we know about the bomb outside the Republican National Committee. Yes, that's perfect. I, I'd love to get to that. And I, to segue into that, just an additional um, timeline detail about the DNC bomb. So as you can see from the timestamp in the video, the backpack guy goes up to the Metro PD car at 105. Now, this is an interesting timing, not only because it had been sitting around undiscovered allegedly for 17 hours and is discovered then, but that something very important happened in the space of that 17 hours, which is just 15 minutes before 105, at around 1250, the Capitol Police responded to this first pipe bomb that was discovered at 1240. So what are the chances again that the bomb would be sitting there for over 17 hours, and yet the point of its discovery was within a 15-minute window of the discovery of the first pipe bomb. Now, there would be one narrative that would kind of make that make sense, and that would be, okay, this pedestrian discovers the first pipe bomb, calls it in, the Capitol Police are on full alert, and they're basically like, 
Every building must be searched aggressively because we found an explosive here. We got to search everywhere. That uh, may have not have been the case. It may have been the case, actually not the case, as I'll explain. But just the idea that there was a bomb discovered near the RNC. Now, let me point this out. Intuitively, it doesn't make sense that you would find a bomb by the RNC and just conclude that there would be one at the DNC such that you would call for an aggressive search at the DNC, notwithstanding you know, the, the, the laudable nature of bipartisanship. I don't think that intuitively that makes sense that, oh, you find one at the RNC, therefore we got to aggressively search the DNC. Secondly, the whole RNC-DNC pipe bomb parallelism is a retroactive fiction. The first pipe bomb was actually discovered behind a trash can in a back alley by the Capitol Hill Club. There's no reason that one would directly associate that with the RNC in the way that one would associate the DNC bomb with the DNC that was planted right outside of the building. The parallelism between DNC and RNC only emerged after the DNC bomb was found. And then it's like, okay, well, this one's at the DNC, the other one's at the RNC. So there's no natural reason that one would assume, okay, there's one by the RNC, so we got to aggressively search the DNC. And there's been no report that that was actually sort of the logic behind the discovery of the DNC bomb. It's such short, like 15 minutes after the first one. Now, the most important thing, though, is from the surveillance footage from the Capitol Police that we discussed earlier. Now, I think the most remarkable thing is how unconcerned the authorities were after being informed of the bomb, but also remarkable is the fact there was no scramble whatsoever. The surveillance footage does not reveal anything consistent with the idea that there was some kind of commotion or aggressive search going on that could have plausibly led to the discovery of the DNC bomb after the RNC one was found. It was total nonchalance, nothing going on, that would be consistent with that. And so if we don't have the story that, okay, the RNC one was discovered and for some reason they assume there must be one at the DNC, which would be a bizarre leap of logic to begin with, but that we see that there was no concern, no commotion, no urgency whatsoever at the DNC, that leaves us with yet another remarkable coincidence that the DNC bomb just happened to be discovered within that narrow 15-minute time frame of the discovery of the RNC bomb after sitting out there for 17 hours. It's another morning, and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late, you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield, the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash carlson and save 20% today. Attention. 
If you owe the IRS, this is an important announcement. COVID relief is over and the IRS is ramping up like never before, sending out millions of collection letters to start 2024. Do you owe $10,000 or more or have unfiled returns? Now is the time to act. The IRS can garnish your wages, seize your property, and they can even take your home or your business. Don't let the IRS take advantage of you. It's time to call Tax Network USA. Their team of experienced tax lawyers has already saved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. They know how to negotiate with the IRS and can help you too. Visit TNUSA.com or call 1-800-245-6000. Again, that's 1-800-245-6000. Don't wait until it's too late. Take control of your tax situation today with Tax Network USA. 1-800-245-6000. Call now. Now let's look at the RNC bomb because this is even more bizarre, if you can believe it. The RNC bomb, again, it was planted the evening before around 8.30. The RNC bomb was discovered by a random pedestrian in a back alley behind a trash can at 12.40. The person who discovered it, a random pedestrian, we're told, Carlin Younger is her name, she says that she discovered it at 12.40 and when she saw the bomb, which is equipped with mechanical timer up to an hour, it was stuck on 20 minutes. Now let's do the math. Discovered at 1240, stuck on 20 minutes, such as to convey the exact impression that the bomb would go off at 1 p.m., exactly when the certification of the vote proceeding was to begin at Congress. So let's take a step back and actually process that. We're told that the RNC bomb was sitting behind a trash can in a back alley, undiscovered for over 16 hours, and yet was randomly stumbled on to the exact minute that would be synchronized with the certification proceeding. And furthermore, remember the breach of the west side of the Capitol, the infamous breach that Ray Epps, by his own admission, orchestrated, that scene by the bike racks, that whole scene erupted at 12.53 p.m., three minutes after the Capitol Police responded to the RNC pipe bomb that Carlin Younger reported. So we have a near exact perfect synchronicity between the discovery of this RNC bomb, the certification proceeding, and that initial decisive attack on the west perimeter of the Capitol. This was such perfect synchronization. What do we know about this person who found the bomb? How, how would a person find a bomb behind a trash can in an alley behind yep. the Capitol Hill Club? And what do we know about this? I mean, I'm not well, suggesting anything. I'm just interested. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And according to the official report from this individual, Carlin Younger, she lived at one of the apartment complexes right by the RNC and Capitol Hill Club. And she just went out to do a laundry run, and I guess that brought her to this back alley and by the trash can. And then she stumbled upon the pipe bomb with the mechanical timer, and she discovered it at the exact minute that would be aligned with the bomb appearing that it was set to go off at 1 p.m. Um, and again, I think just the, the coincidence is striking that the bomb was lying there for over 16 hours and was randomly discovered to the exact 
minute as to be aligned with the Western attack on the west side of the Capitol and the certification proceeding. The coincidence and synchronicity was so profound that former head of the Capitol Police, Stephen Sun, said that these pipe bombs were planted not to go off, but as a diversion to divert resources away from the attack on the Capitol. And this is a plausible thesis for a number of reasons. One, as I pointed out, they're equipped with mechanical timers that only have an hour of time on them. So given that these bombs were planted 8, 8.30 p.m. the evening before, if they were actually intended to go off, they would have gone off in a back alley at 9 p.m. on the 5th and resulted in nothing but perhaps enhanced security on the 6th, which would have been counterproductive ostensibly. And so they were planted clearly for a diversion purpose. The only issue with that is whoever planted it to cause a diversion would have to be pretty confident that a random person or law enforcement would discover these bombs within such a narrow time frame that it would actually serve this diversionary purpose. If it was discovered too early in the morning, for instance, if someone would have discovered the DNC bomb early in the morning when we'd expect, or if the Secret Service has discovered it at 11 a.m., or if someone had discovered the RNC bomb in back alley too early, then presumably authorities would say, oh my God, we have bombs here. We need to enhance security everywhere, including the Capitol. So the person who planted the bombs presumably would have had to count or just simply be the luckiest person alive that it just happened to be that a random person discovered it at the RNC and then this backpack mystery person discovered it at the DNC within this 15 minute narrow range that happened to coincide perfectly with the initial attack on the Capitol. What, what do kind we know of, about the uh, bombs themselves? Kind of bizarre. Well, beyond. What do we know about the bombs themselves? Yeah. I mean, typically, you know, bombs are found and very often the person who made the bombs is arrested on the basis of physical evidence within the bomb. So, because they're made by hand. You're right. Do we know anything, like were these designed to go off? Were they powerful? And what what's the evidence gathered from them? Here's what we know. And by the way, there is a full forensic report about these bombs conducted by the National Explosives Tax Force. And this is one of the things that I would call on Congress to subpoena immediately to get that full forensic detail. But from what we've learned from that report, they were equipped with mechanical timer and with no remote detonation capability, which reinforces this idea that they weren't really intended to go off at all because what's the point of having something go off the evening before it's in a back alley somewhere? It's just a dud. Much better if your purpose is to divert resources that they're discovered within that narrow time frame that corresponds with the attack on the Capitol. The only problem with that is how do you count on random people and law enforcement discovering it within that narrow window, such as to affect this diversionary purpose? That's, that's the big question. Were, were, were they um, made so by the same that, person? That we don't know. Um, I think that's probably a reasonable assumption given how similar they are. They both had the same timer. Um, but again, that's that's something that we don't know. There might be more evidence on that in the uh, National Explosives Task Force report, but I kind of doubt it. I suspect it was it was the same person. And you asked about the individual who randomly discovered this DNC bomb. And again, you know, it's um, 
I think it's very strange. And I'll simply point out that Dian Tuono, who in a kind of pang of guilty conscience agreed to testify before the Judiciary Committee, he was the head of the investigation. He didn't have much to say. He claimed to not even know who this backpack person was, but he did say that it's investigation 101 that the people who discovered these bombs would have been suspects initially. Yeah, of course. And there is no report on how either of these individuals, the backpack person or Carlin Younger, was ruled out as a suspect. And you would think that that would be an important part of the investigation, especially given the profound coincidence of how could the, the bomb sitting there for 16 hours undiscovered and it's discovered to the exact minute when he, it has to. And that compounded by all of the remarkable coincidences surrounding the DNC bomb, both sets of coincidences would have to happen in order for the official event, official version of things to make sense. I will only point out without you know, any prejudice or additional inference that the individual who discovered the RNC bomb under those remarkable coincidences, um, she now works for an organization called Pendulum. Now, Pendulum is an interesting company. It serves to identify and combat misinformation narratives online. Uh, its uh, founders have put out reports on election misinformation, COVID misinformation, and of course, we would be incomplete without a QAnon extremism report, which I'm happy to report they also have released. So this organization, Pendulum, that specializes in combating disinformation, misinformation on election, COVID, and QAnon domestic extremism, which has employees from with uh, alums of DARPA, alums of the DOD, alums of the CIA, and so forth, and whose list of misinformation priorities just happens to correspond with the misinformation censorship priorities of the DHS um, that the DHS tried to conduct under its now ill-fated disinformation governance board. So again, I report that without prejudice or inference, but it is it's an interesting place of employment for somebody who happened to stumble upon this RNC pipe bomb at the exact minute that would co coincide with the attack on the Capitol and the certification proceeding. So it's just it's just an amazing story. Um, so these this presumably attempted bombing or supposedly attempted bombing. Here you have Kamala Harris, the FBI, and the DNC all aggressively uninterested in learning more. Over a thousand people have been arrested for being present at January 6th. Not a suspect has been identified in this story. So now I, I think it's fair to ask you, what do you conclude from what we know about these pipe bombs? Like, what do you think happened? This smoking gun is the pipe bomb story that has been dirty from the beginning. We've been on it from the beginning, but now I think we've reached a point that even those who have been cautious um, need to step up. And, you know, there's been three years since January 6th. And of course, there are a lot of people who are unjustly imprisoned for it. And there are a lot of reasons that the public should still care about this. But it's not as though this is a dead event. Joe Biden gave a major speech effectively making January 6th and the narrative behind it a major feature of 2024 election. The so-called insurrection 
has served as the number one pretext for the political weaponization of the national security state against the American people. And furthermore, the sham theory of Trump's involvement in the insurrection has served as the chief legal basis yes. for removing the front runner for the presidency from the ballot and subverting and contravening the democratic process entirely. So there is a tremendous amount invested in this January 6th narrative going into 2024. With this latest video that I described and the capacity to narrow down the investigation to finding out who this backpack person is, who possibly hasn't even been interviewed by the FBI, to at least re-questioning Carly Nunger because even if she's not a suspect, there's no evidence that the FBI even interviewed her. We're not even sure of that, and frankly, my guess would be not. So these two people who discovered the pipe bombs under remarkable circumstances, in particular the backpack person, it's so good. You know, the January 6th story is so broad, it's easy to get overwhelmed and sort of bogged down by theoretical discussions. I think it is extremely valuable to be able to narrow down the investigation and say, First off, we need to find out who this backpack person is, and we need to ask all of the obvious questions about how the heck did you find this? Why did you find it at this particular time? And why was the Secret Service totally unconcerned as though they knew it was just a dud? How did they know it? And then use that to open up all of the other questions that I've yes. been describing surrounding January 6th. If the Republicans step up, if the speaker steps up, if the relevant congressional figures step up, this is the chance to utterly demolish the January 6th narrative that the regime is using to weaponize the national security state against the American people and to take Trump off the ballot. There's a lot at stake, and we're so close to completely destroying the regime's narrative here. You have to ask, is my last question, but I'm, I'm thankful you pointed out that there's a Republican speaker and this is an election year, and the Bill of Rights is evaporating before our eyes on the basis of the lies that we've been told about January 6th, the Republican Speaker's done nothing to get to the truth here. He's sitting on thousands of hours of surveillance video that belongs to the American people. It does not belong to him. He's not released it. And he's doing nothing that we know of on this story that you've just described. Why do you think that is? Well, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't even necessarily attribute any maliciousness. It's, it's simply that the, the standard Republican is not interested in stepping outside of the playpen because you can get hurt, you can get burned by talking about this stuff because this is actually high stakes. This gets to the core of the regime's strategy to weaponize a security state and to remove Trump from the ballot. This is for all the marbles. So it's really only the Republican who are willing to play for all the marbles, who are willing to take these risks, which I think are necessary risks, who are willing to talk about it. And that's certainly been the case up to now. But as I point out, we're moving into an election year. Anyone who's serious about helping Trump, who's now, I think, pretty much decisively cleaned up in the primary, I think that's, that's an, the end of story. So the only question now is, are we going to allow the regime to defeat Trump through extracurricular means? And one of the ways that they're going to do that, in which they've invested a tremendous amount of time, tremendous amount of resources, is this fake narrative of January 6th. With this pipe bomb video, with all of these details that I've just presented, 
we are so close to completely destroying that narrative. So really, if any of these elected officials, Johnson, if you're serious about winning 2024, this is an indispensable part of that. Utterly and definitively showing that the January 6th insurrection narrative is a complete lie, especially because we're getting very close to implicating Kamala Harris herself. There's a reason she covered up her presence at the DNC for a year. There's a reason that this, one of the most politically opportunistic people on the planet, somehow forgoes the opportunity to milk this for all it's worth on January 6th. When there's a reason Joe Biden, in his long droned out speech on the third anniversary of January 6th, neglects to mention that his own vice president nearly got killed by this pipe bomb. There's a reason for that, folks. And we need to get to the bottom of it. And this video puts us so close if we just have the will of people like Johnson, the speaker. It can't just be Massey and Matt Gates and, right. you know, others who have you know been at the forefront. We need, I guess, the regular folks, the you know, not just the frontline warriors. Now we need the regular folks because everybody's implicated in this narrative. Everybody's affected by this narrative, certainly every Republican, and this is going to get to the core of whether or not we actually are serious about 2024 and winning 2024. So I said that was my last question, but I just have one final question. So I'm, I'm listening to you recount this story in remarkable detail, um, and I'm thinking, I've known you since you worked in a completely different job. Before that, you were in policy, public policy in Washington. Before that, you were an academic, I think at Duke. Um, you've got no background whatsoever in journalism, and yet you seem to be producing journalism at a level that's so much higher than, say, the New York Times, the Washington Post, or NBC News. Tell us what you think the qualities are that a person requires in order to produce good journalism, which is fact-based, detailed, dogged. How are you able to do that when guys who've won the Pulitzer Prize at the Washington Post can't? You know, that's a good question. I think there are a variety of factors. I think, one, you actually have to care about the issue because this is this might be an approach to like having an effect to playing for all the marbles, but it's not necessarily the easiest approach or the most professionally beneficial approach. So I think you have to kind of be crazy in the sense of actually caring about stuff, just like, you know, given my background, I was the only non-tenured full-time academic in the country to have publicly endorse Trump. You have to be kind of crazy or professionally suicidal to do that because that's a really an honest signal that you actually kind of care about what you're doing. You're not coming on right. after the fact. And I think that counts for a lot in terms of motivation. You got to be smart and you got to be able to make logical inferences and so forth. You have to have an instinct for, you know, what matters and what doesn't matter. And also just as important, if not most important, you have to, um, you know, be able to have talented people who are, you know, willing to work for you and willing to work with you. And, you know, this is not uh, my my efforts alone. I've had I've been fortunate enough to have phenomenally talented people um, working with me to help uncover these things that have, you know, really changed the national narrative and changed the national discussion. But, you know, we're so close. There's unfinished business. And I think this video that we've talked about gets us to that penultimate step and we need people like the speaker. We need the Republicans now, not just the front row warriors. And we all know the people who are just on the front lines fighting. We need the rest of the Republicans 
to now put in lockstep, and I'm hoping that at least the election and the stake of stakes of 2024 are enough to induce the rest of the GOP uh, to get on board and let's let's destroy this false narrative once and for good. Amen. Darren Beatty of Revolver News, thank you very much. Thank you, Tucker. A quick addendum. Minutes after we recorded this interview, we got an update on the story. According to a report from The Blaze, the man we are talking about with the backpack, the guy who walked up to police outside the DNC on January 6th, 2021, and said, by the way, there's a bomb under that park bench. That man was not a passerby. He wasn't some random person. He was, in fact, a plainclothes officer with Capitol Police. Oh, so he wasn't just anybody. He was someone who worked for them. But they didn't tell us that for three years, even though they knew it. And even now, the FBI is not admitting this. The Blaze says they learned that this man was a police officer from congressional staffers. And as of this moment, we do not have that person's name and authorities haven't weighed in one way or the other. But it's yet more evidence that they are lying about these pipe bombs. Why are they lying? Well, because they were involved in it, obviously. Thank you.